0: How many of you dissected a frog in high school? How many of you thought I was going to start my Easter sermon with that question? (laughs) When I was in high school, we knew that we were getting to the point in science class where we would soon be dissecting a frog. So in true adolescent fashion, some kid bet my best friend's brother 20 bucks that he wouldn't eat one of the frog legs. Happy Easter. <laughs> he said he'd do it. Now, obviously, we all knew that he wasn't actually going to do it. First of all, it's absolutely disgusting. Secondly, I know that we didn't pay very close attention in science class, but we were all pretty sure that formaldehyde was not intended for human consumption. He kept saying he was going to do it, but we all knew that when the day came, he would chicken out. So the day finally arrived, and we walked into a science lab, and everything was there set up for us to begin our frog dissections. And at some point, towards the end of the class, there was some commotion in one of the corners. And I turned around, figuring everyone was giving Dave a hard time for not following up on his bet. Nope. The commotion was because he did it. He ate the frog leg, the entire frog leg, formaldehyde and all. Of course, everyone went nuts. Aside from being completely grossed out, no one actually believed that he would do it. But what was his response? I said I would. (laughs) So I can't really give him points for his intelligence, but I will give him credit for his integrity. He was going to do what he said he was going to do, and he did it. So specifics aside, so put the frog leg, if you can, put the frog leg aside. That doesn't happen a whole lot in our culture anymore. We don't always expect people to do what they say that they are going to do because so many of us have failed to live that way. I know that many of you could probably rightfully speak of a time in our society when your word was your bond, when integrity was the rule, not the exception. When people said they were going to do something, there was a time when someone's word was as good as a contract. Regardless of whether or not that was your experience at some point in your life, it is certainly, unfortunately, not the norm for us today. Finding somebody with deep integrity has become the exception, not the norm. We hope that people mean what they say and say what they mean, but sadly, we have learned not to count on others to follow through all of the time. And so when people say they are going to do something and then they do it, we might find ourselves a little surprised. Which leads us to our story for this morning. Even if you got dragged here this morning against your will, or you're solely here out of familial obligation, my guess is that you maybe have heard at least a basic piece of the Easter story before. Jesus was a teacher. Some people believed that that is all that he was. Others believed that he was the long-awaited Messiah. He performed miracles, he healed people, and he preached about how we should live and love in this world. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday, which was the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time. And we talked about the reality that even those who had been following him for all of these years were disappointed that he didn't come into Jerusalem as the powerful, militaristic leader that they wanted, but that he came in humbly and riding on a donkey, which in their culture was a symbol of peace. They didn't want peace. They wanted a king who was going to conquer the oppressive hands of the Roman government. Though Jesus' presence wasn't what they wanted or what they thought it would be, his presence did create an uprising of sorts against the Roman government. And just five days after the Palm Sunday parade was thrown, there was a parade of a very different kind as people lined the streets to watch a bloody, unbeaten Jesus carry a cross all the way till Golgotha. And then right before their eyes, he died. Those who loved him watched the whole thing happen. They watched him lowered from the cross after his death. They wrapped him in linens and watched him as he was placed in a tomb and a large stone was rolled in front of the entrance. And that was that. He died on Friday. Saturday, they all woke up, and I'm sure we're all hoping that it was just a nightmare, only to realize that all that had happened had really happened as they remembered it. And so Jesus was dead, and so was their hope. And if the story ended on Good Friday, that is where we would be this morning, a people without hope, a people without a savior, but that is not where the story ended, is it? We are here this morning because after the silence of Saturday came the celebration of Sunday. But the celebration wasn't immediate. It wasn't their immediate reaction to the empty tomb because they were a little confused. All four of the gospel accounts tell of the women going to Jesus' tomb first thing on Sunday morning. They were bringing oils and spices to anoint his body, which was a common practice at the time. When they arrived... According to Matthew's gospel, there was a violent earthquake and an angel showed up and sat down on top of the stone that had been in front of the entrance that was now rolled off to the side. The guards were so freaked out that scripture says they were like dead men. So basically the men passed out from fear as the women stood there, but that's a sermon for another day. (laughs) Although... I kind of do want to preach that one sometime, so (laughs) stay tuned. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Mark's account of this story says that after the women encountered the angel, they left the tomb trembling and bewildered. John's account of the story says that Mary Magdalene ran out of the tomb yelling, they have taken our Lord and we don't know where they have put him. Now this is my own twisted mind, I realize, but I just have this image of Jesus standing there like my friend's brother in high school, half a frog leg hanging out of his mouth saying, of course I rose from the dead. I said that I would. I said I would. He is risen just as he said. If you have been here for any of our Lenten series, We started six weeks ago, way back at the beginning, at the very beginning, with the story of Adam and Eve. And we worked our way through most of the five covenants of the Old Testament. In these covenants, in the Old Testament, God said things like, I will raise up a descendant after you who will come from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Another covenant said, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And then we also had these prophets in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus came onto the scene, and they said things like, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. And another prophecy says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living on the land of darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son. Is given and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I know you think I got the wrong holiday here, but I didn't, because this prophecy, while also about the birth of Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas time, it was also about the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. So people were waiting for this Messiah. We get that. It doesn't prove that they knew that Jesus was going to die. But then Jesus told his followers with his own mouth that he was going to prepare a place for them, right? That's a little vague. I get that they necessarily wouldn't connect the dots between that and Jesus's resurrection. Except, get this, there's this other verse in the Gospels where Jesus says the following. The son of man must suffer many things. He will be rejected by the older Jewish leaders, the leading priests and the teachers of the law, and he will be killed, but after three days, he will be raised from death. For hundreds and hundreds of years, God has been laying out his plan of salvation for the world. Now, I know that God is obviously, thankfully, uh, more kind and more gracious than I am, because I'm pretty sure if I were Jesus... And I watched Mary come running out of the tomb yelling, they've taken our Lord and we don't know where they put him, that I would be standing there like, you've got to be kidding me. I told you where I was going. I told you what was going to happen. But then I think, they're human, we do the same thing. How many of you have ever had a family member that said, I'm going to run to Target, I'll be back in a half hour. And then you text them like 15 minutes later going, where are you? <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of human nature to do that. And so maybe I need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And honestly, that piece doesn't really matter anyway because the point isn't about whether they remembered what Jesus said. The point is that Jesus was who he said he was and that he did what he said he was going to do. He is risen just as he said. And here's the thing. Sometimes I think that the more we hear the Easter story every single year, the easier it is to tune it out. The Bible hasn't changed since last year. The story hasn't changed since last year. I know that many of you have heard this story before. But I think that year over year, our culture is more in need of the Easter story now than we were five years ago. When we have become a people who are used to being let down, when we are a society where integrity is now the exception and not the norm, where we can often no longer count on people doing what they say they are going to do. Having a God who is exactly who he says he is, who does and will do exactly what he says he's going to do, it's a pretty big deal in this world. (coughs) Because don't we all feel let down by so many things in this life? I mean, I know today is a day of celebration, and it's beautiful and sunny and warm out, so maybe you don't feel that so much today. But in general, don't we often feel let down some of you feel let down by your marriages. We make marriage vows till death do us part, but only half of them, half of those vows are upheld. And then even with the marriages that are still together, so many people feel let down by their spouse and don't know how to tell them. And so we trudge through these marriages in a way that we were never intended to. We feel let down. Some of you feel let down by your boss or your job in general. You worked so hard to get where you are, and it's not where you thought you would be. You aren't as happy in your profession as you thought you would be. You feel let down. Some of you feel let down by your own self. You told yourself that you were going to accomplish X, Y, or Z, and you haven't. You wanted to be this kind of person, but you're that kind of person instead. You really want to change these particular habits, but you just don't. You want to be more educated, healthier, more at peace, more financially stable. You want more friends, a better relationship, a different attitude. But you're not doing what you know that you need to do to make any of those things happen for yourself. And so you feel let down by yourself. And I know, I know that some of you feel let down by God. You were just trucking along in life. Everything was just fine when suddenly everything changed. Your spouse cheated. Your kids lost their way. You got sick. Your loved one got addicted. You got laid off. You didn't ask for any of this. If God is supposed to be good, then why do you feel so let down? How many times have you paused in your own life and thought, is this really all there is? the humdrum of another day, which rolls into another week, which rolls into another month. The years go by so quickly, but is this really all there is? You had so much hope that life would be different. And so I want to ask you if you can imagine the grief of those who followed Jesus when he was here on earth. All of those people who had been reading their whole lives about the coming Messiah, only to have their life changed by the reality that he was finally here. They listened to his impassioned sermons. They took to heart all of the different things that he said about how different his kingdom is than the kingdom of the world. They knew that he had more to offer, that he had everything to offer. They learned how to live in community because of him. They learned how to seek humility and justice. They learned what service looks like because of him. And they learned what love looks like because of him. Their lives were changed. Their king had come, and they just knew that everything was going to be different. Have you ever been that hopeful? You met the person of your dreams, you got into your dream school, you got offered your dream job, you had the child you always dreamed of. In those moments, life is filled with so much hope. So I know that you can imagine the utter devastation when they saw Jesus breathe his last breath. Of course you can imagine, because unless you have somehow managed to be the only person in the world that has escaped the pain of this life, then of course you know what it feels like to lose hope, or to have your dreams crushed, or to realize in one moment that your life is not going to be what you thought it was going to be. Friends, this is why we tell the Easter story, because we have all lived through another year, Some of you have had an amazing year filled with celebration, and others of you have had a devastating year. For most of us, it is probably some combination of the two with a whole bunch of other things thrown in. It's been another year, and we've experienced joy and happiness, but we've also experienced our fair share of heartache and grief and pain and loss and disappointment and being let down. A lot has happened to each of us since last Easter. And so we tell this story again because in a world filled with disappointment where our spouses, our kids, our bosses, ourselves, our politicians, our friends have let us down, we have a God who did exactly what he said he was going to do. We have a God who loved us enough that he created a way for us to be with him forever. A God who in his love for us sent his son Jesus to put on human skin, to experience human life that he could not only be with us, but that he would understand us. That because of Jesus, we know that there is no dark or lonely place in the world that Jesus hasn't already been himself. And so when we find ourselves in those dark corners of the world, we have a God who understands our needs and who loves us enough to meet them. Look, I know most of you have heard this story a million times before. But I also know that there are people sitting here this morning who are stuck. So don't tune this message out. It's not that I'm some star preacher who has a particularly unique spin on this story that you've heard. I don't need to spin the story, I just need to tell it. And I get so insanely excited to tell it because I know how much we need it. I know how much I need it. I know how much some of you need it. This isn't about being religious. This isn't some ploy to get you to join our church. I'm not preaching the Easter story all hellfire and brimstone on you because I don't want you to say yes to Jesus because you've been emotionally manipulated into fear by some pastor. I want you to say yes to Jesus because you realize that he loves you so much that he died for you. It was not an act of religion. It was an act of love. And I know I'm supposed to be all subtle and tactful, but you all know that I'm, not, I'm neither of those things. So I'm supposed to be all chill and restrained when I speak directly to those of you in the room who have not said yes to Jesus yet. But I can't do it. Because you guys, this life is short. And it's hard. And I know that the church at large has screwed this whole message of love up on about a billion levels. But hear me say this morning, this morning, That wherever you are sitting, whether you wanted to be here or not, you are loved by God just as you are with whatever you're dealing with, with whatever you've done, with whatever you're holding on to, whatever your history, whatever your identity, whatever your choices, Jesus defeated the grave for you so that you can live this life and all of eternity in total freedom not held captive by the things in life that hold us hostage. The new life that we celebrate this day can be your new life too. Don't waste any more time. Life is short, and the world needs more love. And I'm guessing you do too. And so know this morning that it is being offered to you in endless supply by the one who defeated death, So that you could live. So live. The world around us and those within it may continue to fail us, but our God never will. Why? Because he has risen just as he said. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard to give you thanks enough for this day. But I know, I know our human nature and I know that it's going to be so easy to walk outside the doors of this church and to go back to our old life, to keep holding on to hurt and to keep holding on to bitterness, to keep holding on to all the things that we've done that we can't let go of. Lord, I pray that in this moment you would break us free. God, I pray for anybody in this room who has not yet said yes to you. That they would realize in this moment that they are loved by the God of the universe. And so God, help them this morning to have the courage to say yes. To proclaim this a brand new day. That when they leave this church, they will be different. Because they won't walk out of here as someone filled with shame. They will walk out of here as someone filled with your love. And God, for those in this room who have been following you for a long time but are a little stuck, wake us up this morning, Lord. Help us to remember that this life is short and that you love us and that you have freed us. God, for those in the room who have been faithfully following you day after day, month after month, year after year, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to strengthen them in their journey and strengthen them in their faith. God, help us not to waste this day. We have an opportunity right in front of us, Lord, to say yes to you, to recognize that you defeated the grave so that we could live, but so many of us aren't living. And so God, breathe a brand new life into us that even as you were raised from the dead today, that we might be too. We offer ourselves and our lives over to you In the name of your risen Son, Jesus Christ.